Welcome to episode 12 of Lost in Translation with Bobby Martin. I'm Sam Perkins. As always, we're coming to you from the WCTV studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Uh, today we are joined by Northeastern University assistant coach Joel Smith. Thank you so much for joining us. Sam Bobby, thank you guys for having me, man. This oh, is awesome. Man, it's, it's good to have you here. We've got Joel Smith, my former roommate, a young buck with an old soul. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm, Big loving Bobby. I'm loving it. Yeah. We got, uh, you know, he is an alumnus, a two time alumnus of Northeastern. I, I've also gone there <laughs> in undergrad and graduate school. So Joel's time there was a little more lustrous than mine, but <laughs> it's not a competition. Huntington <laughs> Ave, man. Huntington Ave. Had the benefit of all the games at Matthews Arena, too, on top of it. Husky yes, Nation, baby. Husky Nation. Yes, sir. So, Joel, you are, this is now your second season starting uh this upcoming season second season as an assistant this is your third stint though right as a husky technically weren't you, you were there as a player player then video, graduate uh, video coordinator yep. uh -huh. and then, then full-time i left for about three years to go to new haven for a full-time position and then you know, i was blessed to be able to come back you know going to my second year as an assistant what, what's it like to because you're not a local guy. I mean, number one, Northeastern, it's been a while since they recruited local guys. You really have to go back to, you know, like like this. We're going back before the Berea era, before the Ron Everhart era. you got to go back, you know, a ways from when they were even bringing in local walk-ons. Um, uh, but what's it, what's it like to continue to return to a place that, you know, you, you had your – many people talk about colleges being – you know, the best time of their life. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth at all. I don't know what it was for you, but I, I got to imagine if it was awful to be there in undergrad, you probably wouldn't come right. back and come back again. What's it like to keep coming back? No, man, uh, Boston's an unbelievable city, man. It's my uh, my home away from home, originally from Austin, Texas. Um, you know, never expected to live <laughs> live out this way this long, but, um, you know, I'm a Bostonian now, you know, dating back since 2009 and, you know, had a chance to leave after. Um, play professionally, and then, um, you know, just coming back, it just felt right. You know, I'm able to be back with my old coach, some guys I played with, and then I have, you know, just over the years made a ton of relationships and friendships uh, in the New England area. So it's, I mean, I, I love it, you know. It's a great experience. So, so uh, you, what was the transition for you, like, from Texas to uh, the Northeast? <laughs> that first year, I hated it. I hated it. Um, obviously, you know, the snow, getting used to that, getting used to different seasons, um, you know. And then on top of, you know, just the weather aspect of it, being away from friends and family, school was harder, workouts were harder. I wouldn't, you know, it, didn't imagine not playing, coming into a situation where I wasn't on the court, uh, where that probably could relieve some stress and give you something to look forward to. It, it was more challenging. Um, pretty much in every aspect, um, but that first year. But you know, luckily stuck through it. Um, you know, some guys just find the easy way out. I thought about going home for, for sure. Many nights, just uh, not being on the court and, and feeling like you know I was actually a part of the team. Um, you know, as a kid, you don't feel like you're part of the team unless you're actually on mm -hmm. the court. But um, yeah, so. I, I did have thoughts about leaving, but um, luckily I stuck it out, man. And, you know, I thank God every day that, that I did because, you know, that was – I needed to hit that wall and, and, you know, go through it in order to become who I am today, which is, you know, in hindsight, it's the best, best decision I made. So, tell, tell me about – you know, you grew up in Texas. What part of Texas did you grow up in and just what was – what was it like growing up, and and why basketball of all things? I mean, Texas has become a much bigger basketball hotbed. It's not, you know, people think of football when they think of Texas first and foremost. You know, um, so just how how, just you know, how was it growing up, and, and why basketball? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from uh, Leander, Texas. It's a small suburb outside of Austin. Um, you know, I was an Army brat. Um, kind of picked up basketball first when I was uh, in Colleen. My parents were stationed there, and uh, you know they, they got out of the army, and then you know we moved to Austin. My dad had, had got a good job uh, in downtown Austin, and you know I kind of grew up middle school, elementary, and, and on to Leander High School. Um, you know suburban area. Colleen was more 
um, you know, urban, um, you know, a little more, not as nice, I guess, um, to put in. in it's a little more words. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> a little more, a, little, a few more challenges. Um, but, you know, when we moved to Leander, it was, it was definitely more, um, more organized, less crime, things of that nature, um, which, you know, my parents did a really good job of putting us in a situation where we could learn, we could, you know, be safe and, and just grow up without those type of worries. Um, so, yeah, Austin, I mean, I love Austin. It's a great place. Eventually, we'd love to get back there, but I'm in no rush. Like I said, I, I've been to Boston uh, since, been in Boston since 2009, and I, I love it, love it. And you know, I got a son now here, so, um, you know, I'm not in a rush. How old is he? Uh, my son just turned three in February. Um, he's, he's on his way to ten years old next February. <laughs> has, has, he, has he? So has he calmed down from two to three? Or because so my oldest Jack, who's um, uh, insane person, uh, <laughs> when two to three people talk about the terrible things, he got worse when he was three. Like he got mm. crazier, and and uh, he was talking more, so he was like talking back, mm-hmm. and. Um, what what what's what's it been like? Has it has it gotten any easier from age two to three, or has or has it gotten? Is it still the same? Uh, you know, I think the challenges are different um, when you're going through different stages growing up. Right now, you know, I love that he can talk. I love he he loves sports and being active and and doing all those things. Like when he was younger, we were always worried about him climbing up mm-hmm. things and you know potentially hurting himself. Um, I think now he's more aware and um, he's. You know, super smart. At least every parent thinks their kid's super smart, right? Um, every kid is. Though. I mean, that's <laughs> they the thing. Are. It's like I say this, the teacher in me comes out, but, like, people yeah. don't realize how smart kids are. They don't give them credit. I mean, yeah. when parents are like, my kid's so smart. And it's like, like yeah, it's, you're being a parent, but also, like, no, kids are really smart. They people are. don't, adults don't give them the credit for, yeah, for yeah. how smart they are. No, no, they definitely are, man. And, you know, it's a joy for me. Obviously, you know, I have a commitment to, to basketball and coaching and recruiting and all the things that come with it. But, you know, when we're together, um, you know, it's it's always, you know, something I learned from him and, you know, something that maybe I missed that mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, you can do that now. It's uh it's always, you know, joyful when I'm when I get the those dad moments with him. So do you uh I'm I'm, I'm assuming you take him to the games. Do you let him walk on the court? Oh yeah, he comes on the court. He'll okay. say what's up to the guys. He'll come in the coach's locker room after games and, and pound everybody up. And uh, he's a huge sports fan. We had him in, you know, hockey. We had him in swimming. We had him in, um, you know, baseball gyms. He's that was this past super, year. Yeah, he's okay, he's super saying, active, man. man. He's super active. Wow. Um, but he he just loves you know he's loved being active. He's not. Oh, what's his name? Jamari Smith. Man. Jamari. Okay. Yeah, he's uh. Like every kid, he he loves technology and like watching his shows. Yeah. But I, I give him credit; he loves being outside. We have two dogs, and you know they keep him active as well. So I, I love shout that. out to Jamari. Your dad's a good man, Jamari. We're <laughs> putting you. this out there in the universe right now. Your dad's a good man. Thank so, you. so to to kind of rewind back a little bit, that first year, you know, you said it was really rough, kind of you know not playing mm-hmm. uh, that much. You know, you're coming from, I mean. <laughs> Boston winters are, it might not be, you know, Minnesota, but it's not pleasant here in the winter. I've lived here. I always wind up back here. doesn't matter where I've gone. I grew up in Cambridge right across the river. From yeah. And I seem to always wind up back here. And um, even I living, you know, growing up here, I, the winter is just awful. And uh, just what was that first year like? And how close did you come to going somewhere else? Yeah, I think, so the winters for me, they aren't, as bad, I think it's the perspective I had as a as a you know student athlete not playing, school being hard. Mm-hmm. I think all those things kind of heighten um, the winter uh, as far as me perceiving it as bad. Um, you know, I really don't have a problem with the winters now. You know, Boston's pretty good at cleaning the you know yeah. cleaning the streets. And, you know, it snows one day, two hours, three hours later, the roads are clear. Um, so you know that's that's a great deal, but. Um, you know, just to kind of touch on your point, uh, I think it was uh, on top of, you know, other freshmen that I came in with, I came with a pretty big class, about six other guys with me. 
Um, so, and we had a really, really good team. We had, you know, Chase Allen, yep. who was first team all conference, Matt Janning, yep. uh, Inko Jabo, Manny Adaka, who's on our staff now. They were, you know, an unbelievable starting, you know, core group. The last two, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get on this show. Yeah, yeah. Ink's schedule is insane. Oh, my, yeah. my my son is friends with his older daughter, um, but yeah, he's, yeah. He's so good guys, yeah. You know, um, you know, a lot of us didn't get the opportunity to play I, for for good reasons. Those were incredible players, all conference guys. Um, but you know, I you know we clicked up as freshmen, some of us, and you know we just coming. You know, it's hard to adjust coming from playing all the time. And you know, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was close to entering the portal. I was just sulking a lot, and you know, kind of feeling bad for myself um, that I wasn't playing. Um, but you know, I, I thought about it all the time. Like, man, it's cold here. You know, wait for my girlfriend or whatever, my friends. Like, I'd rather be home. But luckily, I was. You know, luckily I persevered and had the right people in my corner um, telling me to stick with it. And you know, once once you do finally get your opportunity, it's going to be worth it. So what was your reaction when they told you to stick with it? Because it was, you know, I'm sure that cold weather was uh, telling you something else, right? Nah, man. It's, sometimes you just got to have people in your corner that's going to put things in perspective. You know, my parents, they were, like I said, they were Army Army parents. They were no-nonsense. They were like, yo, whatever the coach tells you to do, you got to do. Like, you made a commitment to, to this program, to this school. This is what you wanted to do. Um, so you're going to stick it out. And, they, you know, they've been like that since before I went to college. They were like, whatever you're going to do, you know, commit yourself to, you're going to honor that commitment. And then, you know, other guys, you know, one of my good friends, John Lee, who was a, a captain with me, um, you know, he was just a resilient dude. Like, he, I played more than him as a freshman, and he was still, you know, sticking it in, you know, day in and day out, 6 a.m. workouts before lifts or practice. We'd go play, play a night at Harvard or Emmanuel. Um, so when you got, you know, positive people like that in your corner, you know, um, the hard times don't seem as hard. I was going to ask you about John because both you guys came in together and, and didn't play a ton, and then you guys wound up having, you know, amazing careers, too, of you together. And, and about that, um, you know, I know you guys are a little different players, but you're both backcourt players. And mm -hmm. when there's the kind of established players in front of you, um, there could be some competition. You, go, you know, you, he might be more of a point guard, you more of an off guard, but like, you know, three guard lineups in college, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Everybody needed to be, you know. I, I wondered, was there any, I don't want to say animosity, but like, I don't want to get too close to this guy because, you know, me and him are fighting for minutes right now. Or was that, was it always? Oh, no, man. Me and John, really behind closed doors, are like the same. We like the same stuff. We, we hung out all the time, man. We were, we were each other's best, um, you know, competitors. We, we push each other all the time. If he's getting up, you know, at 6 a.m., I'm getting up. Like, I'm not going to let you get better than me or outwork me. And, and we kind of had that mentality, which kind of propelled us. You know, we got our butts kicked freshman year by Chase and, and Matty J every day. So we both we were both going through it. And, um, you know, it's, it's better when you're going through it with somebody and then y'all can kind of push each other um, to get to that next level. But, you know, un unbelievably, you know, competitive guy and, you know, just – you know, that was probably the best thing for me is having another guy at that backcourt position, um, you know, going through those phases together. So in practice, you two were always on the same team? Uh, yeah. You know oh, what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Coach Cohen kind of, he. Uh... What? Oh, I'm disappointed in Bill. Oh, no, no, no. So, so this is what happened. Like when it was Matt Chase, Manny, and Ink in that group, we were young. Okay, he'd put us together against them. They kick our butts. Right, bites. right. When we got older and better, and we were the guys, he'd split us up. Now we competing against so each other. So he did split you up. Yeah, he did. Once so we that, got older. So yeah. there, there was no, there was no talking between you two. You didn't go oh, at each other. Oh, oh, no yeah. Oh, yeah. We 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 jawed all the time. Okay, all right. Just all checking. I think that's what Sam was trying to ask. Nah, what's going on? We, we were it, competitive, it, man. We both wanted to win. It's interesting to me because I had to refresh myself on that roster year first. First year, and I remember it not really well. I'm looking over it, but I'm cheating here. Computer <laughs> up. But you guys did come in with a big, big class one, mm -hmm. two, three, four, five, seven, six, seven. Uh, seven. Yeah. Wow. I think you and John were the only ones of that class to stick for four years. Only you two. Yeah. It's interesting. I would say Kari, Dinko, Elwang graduated right. Well, a little early. Chris yeah. graduated. He registered, and I think he graduated after us. But, um, yeah, me and John were, were four years in, four, and then we were done. Ink left? 
uh, he graduated. Oh, he, was he was a graduate. grad. He, he, yeah, he was a senior. Yeah, so he yeah. wasn't okay. in their class. Okay. He was there. Yeah, he like, was a senior. Janning was a senior. Manny Adaco was a senior. But like the uh, freshmen that came in, that you know, I'm looking through them and I'm remembering. Oh, man, this guy that was talked about. You know, being a. You know, I don't know if you were John from day one. I can't remember. We're talked about as being like the one they're expecting to be a star from that class. But it was. The, oh, yeah. You guys wound up being it. Yeah. Um, just resilient, just resilience, man. What What was your relationship like with Coach Cohen? Um, you know, if you 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 stick it out and then you come back and you're on his staff two times in two different capacities, I, I've got to imagine. I mean, maybe it wasn't always good, but that the final place was pretty solid. If you'd come back and be on the staff, I would say me and his relationship early on it was, you know, not non-existent, but I was such a quiet and you know, to myself person. Um, I think John kind of over the years brought, you know, brought it more out of me. I was more outgoing by the time I was a senior um, and outspoken. Um, but, yeah, early on, you know, I I was compliant. I did what was asked of me. I loved basketball, so I was in the gym, um, you know, just focused on trying to find my way on the court. I didn't go into his office maybe as much as I should have to, you know, kind of build that rapport and relationship. Um, but now, uh, as a you know assistant on his staff, I think we have a you know really good relationship. We you know enjoy the same things. We you know philosophies line up. Um, you know, and I think I can really go for him or go to him for advice or you know just just kind of talk and, and you know sit there and kind of pick each other's brains. So what would you what would you say to a young player? It's it's, it's funny that you mentioned that you weren't open enough to go in and talk to Bill. And Bill's a quiet guy himself, right? Yeah. So now there's no communication going on, right? Because Bill's got other things on his mind, right? Yeah, he's got a million things so, to do. But when you go in there, now all of a sudden you're listening to the old sage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, he's, um, I, I've tried to tell, you know, guys, even at New Haven, I've tried to tell guys, man, um, really, really take advantage of, of these guys who are recruiting you and putting you in their system because um, they want a relationship just as bad as you're kind of seeking out one too. Um, you know, you're away from home, away from your parents. These, you know, these guys are kind of the the guardians of, of, you know, what your education is going to look like, what your future is going to look like. Um, you know, and, and I just, you know, knowing Cohen, I know you know him, Bobby, um, personally, but just a genuine dude, you know, just real down to earth. And I think what kind of kept me out of his office was I was intimidated by, you know, just by – what he is, you know, organized, knowledgeable. Um, you know, it could, I guess for an 18, 17-year-old, could be kind of scary trying to go in there and have a, a conversation. But, um, you know, I try to tell our guys, man, you definitely want to have a relationship with him beyond just basketball. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. You, know, you, you think about a 17, 18-year-old kid going into his office. Yeah. You go in wanting to talk about what's on your mind, and all of a sudden – Bill turns it around and he's got you asking questions about yourself, right? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I should have. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's a good point, right? And yeah. you walk out, man, that was a good talk, right? Yeah. You're, you're always going to learn something when you yeah. walk in that office and when you're yeah. walking out. Yeah. So your freshman year, you guys make it to the NIT. You finish second. Your senior year, I remember you guys were the first place and you got upset in the championship game, so you never quite get to the NCAAs. Now, how do you look back on your your career when you were there? Do you still, what was it like to kind of get to the to the doorsteps of the NCAA as a freshman, and then you guys had kind of two down years, rebuilding years, and you get back, and then you don't quite yeah. get there? Yeah, man, that's that's always going to be one that you know you wish you had back. Um, it was actually, it's funny because I always see these things on like social media, whether it be Instagram or Twitter, was option A. You get all these accolades, mm-hmm. but never make the chip. Option B, you know, not crazy accolades, but you win yep. the championship essentially. And you know, it's funny. I have that. I ask my friends and I ask my staff, and it's funny. Like people who don't really play at the mm-hmm. highest level, they're like, "I oh, was gonna take the accolades and the money or whatever." And anytime I ask somebody who's played at a high level or on the staff, they're like, "Oh, winning the championship is, is a no-brainer." Um, but yeah, if I could. All the accolades, the stats, I don't remember. But if I can get that that one opportunity to play in the tournament, I would definitely take that and, and give some of that stuff back. Because um, that's that's what you play the game for. You play to to win for or play for championships and, and 
you know, be on that stage at the end of the day. Do you, uh, do you remember what it, what it felt like when it came to an end? And I think all of us know, I mean, we do, I don't think all of us know the experience of when, when your playing career comes to an end. And, um, I think different people have different feelings. Some people we talked about when you gave it everything you had and there was nothing more you could have done. It hurt. It doesn't even hurt, but you're able to sleep at night better versus if you're someone that, that didn't, you're going to have more regrets. And, and do you just, do you still remember what, what it was like when it came to an end? And, and are there things that you take from that that you pass on to kids that you coach now? Yeah, man. Like I like you say, hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, you know, in that moment when I knew we weren't gonna advance or whatever, and, and the season was over, you know, it's just a culmination of four years of waking up at six a.m., all the hard lifts, conditioning, all the workouts, the practices, and you you know, you hope that you can lift that trophy at least once in four years um, of your career, um, but. You know, it is obviously disappointing when you don't make a trip, um, and you know, just being a competitor and, and someone who's dedicated, you know, four years to to making that dream come true. It's a it's a disappointment, but like you said, we left it all on the line. Um, you know, they just they had the better day, and we had to tip our hats. And um, you know, luckily, John and I were able to you know continue playing, and and you know, those guys a couple years later went to yeah. the tournament. So. Um, you know, super happy for those guys, and and they had that the opportunity to get to that level, see how it feels, and then turn it around for themselves, um, which is which is ultimately what you you know what you're working for is is one day hoping that your team and the guys you're connected to have an opportunity to do that. How did you know that you? Uh, when did you realize that you were going to stop playing professionally? Um. So I think. Because I didn't have, so I got hurt in our conference tournament. I want to say semifinals against George Mason, uh, right before our championship game. Didn't know that I would that I had tore my ACL. I found out after the tournament. We got back and um, you know I saw the doctor and, and it turned out I had tore my ACL. So um, you know just by the grace of God and who Coach Cohen is, he gave me opportunity to stay GA and and do rehab until I was ready to play professionally. Um, and you know, I did did the rehab, left and played in Argentina first. Didn't have a great stint there. So you the, did or didn't? Didn't really okay. have a great stint there. Um, what was, were the obstacles? Um, I had some really good teammates. I had this guy Walter Herman. Who, <laughs> I don't know if y'all know. I, I played with Walter in Malaga. Yeah, so yeah. I guess he he played with Detroit Pistons for a while, and mm -hmm. he came there. Obviously, he's the, yeah. the number one option. You know, a point guard. At the time, was probably in his late thirties. He was the president's son, so he was getting the ball. We had to, it was it was good competition. I'll say that, and I was re really young, um, going there with the the mindset that you know I want to play team ball first instead of being really really aggressive. Um, so that's you know that's why I didn't do as successful there. Then my next time around in Mexico I was much more uh, productive, just being much more aggressive and. and um, you know, really trying to put the team on my back at that point. That is funny because you just mentioned the the, uh, the correlation between playing in college is all about team. Yeah. But as a professional, oh yeah, if you're getting paid for it, you better show up. Oh yeah. So you, you had to focus more on your stats, but you went in with a team mindset, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's tough. That's exactly. Tough. Exactly. So yeah, I, you know, I did really well in Mexico, top league, and. Um, a summer league there. I, I wanted to get to to Europe, mm -hmm. um, but it was just so inconsistent of work for me. Like I would go somewhere, play for you know a couple months, go home. I'm doing all this training. I got to use the money that I made playing to eat, to mm -hmm. do all these things, and you know I'm not knowing when the next kind. Like you know some contracts, some people just they call you two days before you got to go somewhere, and you know comes Christmas, it comes New Year's, nothing's on the table. I was just like, all right, man, I need to get something more consistent, maybe get into the workforce. Um, so it's more so the inconsistency for me. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And the bubble has burst a bit. You know, when I was in college and coming out, not that I was good enough, you know, baseball was my best sport, but, like, 
you just know from from the knowing the kind of landscape that like there was still this kind of like hey if you played division one hoops mm. and you were have decent like you can go get a contract somewhere in europe and you but that bubble's really yeah. burst and i think i think young kids maybe don't realize it because they're still hearing the stories from previous generations but mm. like consistent pay like there's probably only 400 jobs in europe there's 400 in the nba and probably only 400 in Europe for Americans that are like that you don't have a passport that are really like worthwhile jobs to have and maybe not just Europe kind of internationally there's probably I'm Bobby can correct me but 400 500 that it's yeah, like it's probably you know, a little bit more than that but yeah you're right around that that, that, that right it's now. it's really people don't realize how hard the living is when you don't have a guaranteed contract you you need as the American you're expecting you need to come in here and you need to score and produce and win yeah. and it's on you if you don't yeah if you get you need to go all out the teams are expecting it but if you get hurt they're just going to cut you they're not a lot of teams won't cover your rehab won't cover anything mm-hmm. and and not having anything sort of consistently guaranteed i mean i know there's no guarantees in life i could get yeah. fired if i mess up you know badly yeah. here yeah. but um but there's still something about like okay you go you 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 work here uh, you know regular job and you pay your dues and you yeah over there that there's just nothing and every off season mm-hmm. you're like all right i gotta like train and then i gotta kind of wait and it's like luck and random chance and all these different things about do i get a decent contract yeah. for the next year yeah yeah it's um it, it's really tough um yeah and there are different levels so you know if you're if you're playing in mexico or you know south america you know season's different yeah you know <laughs> the, uh, if, you, if you're playing in Europe, I mean, if you're if you're at the top of the league, then you're probably getting paid on time. But if you're playing in a team at the bottom of the league, you're probably not getting paid on yep. time. Um, the salaries differ like crazy. You know, good European teams. I mean, you can make six figures, and at that point, you know, it, it, it's still a one-year deal, mm-hmm. right? There's like you said, there's nothing guaranteed, and if you're not there, then you don't have a, a you don't have a six-figure deal, mm-hmm. you know, because yep. you're playing for a couple of months, and as a job, you know, it, it's a job and you've got to spend the money that you made. Yeah. So, it, it, this, it's so, it's so volatile, man. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, um, you know, first, first thing when kids, you know, that I'm talking to, recruits or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, the goal is to play pro. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to burst their bubble. Right. I'm like, I'm like, definitely, you know, enjoy school, enjoy, you know, the college experience. Because um, once you get out there, you're out there. Like, it's, you nev- know, it's, it's never the same. It's, 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 it's not. It's, it's, it's something that I think I used to talk to high school kids when they were you know, talented high school kids before when I was coaching there, college. Mm-hmm. And, talk to kids that I've stayed in touch with that are playing in college that, you know, whatever level you're at, it's never, especially when you leave college, it's not the same because right. overseas, the turnover rate, the fact that you're going to be on a team where most people don't speak English as their first language, many of them don't speak it at all, mm-hmm. foreign country, and, you know, college, you have that that crew on your team that you guys are are really close and you do everything together and you're around the same age and a lot mm-hmm. of times you're the same interest. It's like you might be overseas with you know two other americans on your team and like one you're 23 and one of them's 30 and one's 36 and you're like i don't have anything in common yeah. with these guys they, um, got, they got kids and wives yeah and, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's That's the way it was for me i, I was lucky yeah. it, you brought up you played with walter herman and he was on so number one he was on that argentinian team that won the gold back in mm-hmm. in 04 when team usa didn't win it for the and, mm. For the first time, and they they beat Team USA twice, I think, in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I mean, was the MVP in the, uh, the ACB league in yeah. Spain. He also was on that. I remember that Argentinian team. Like every dude on that team had a second passport because Argentina's yes. the history of the country is it's yeah. so many different immigrant waves. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's of German descent, even he's yeah. Argent, and then you have a bunch of dudes on those teams yes. that had. Spanish passports, Italian passports, like it, Pepe it was, Sanchez, yep. <laughs> Nocioni, yeah. Luis Scola. Yeah, yeah Nocioni's of Italian oh, man, descent, it Sanchez was nuts, of Spain. Man. Yeah, they had a really like, good team. South America does things a little different. Yeah. A little different. in Mexico, I was like, all right, y'all got like six Americans on yeah. your team. But, okay. So getting into coaching is something that it seems a lot of people have, a lot of former players have done that, done it for a bit. And then they're like, eh, I don't know if this is really for me. You know, the lifestyle's tough. You're recruiting on the road. 
you know, you're it's different than when you're 20, you 18 to 22, 23, and it's like, oh man, I'm living on buses and hotels during the school year. This yeah. is great. I can be mm-hmm. up till 3 a.m. and like I can bounce back at 8 a.m. the next morning. Like when you're an adult and it's like your body's hurting from being on the buses, <laughs> you're going to like high school gyms without air conditioning during the AAU season, and you're dealing with crazy parents and you're dealing with crazy handlers and coaches. And like, what's that transition been like? Why coaching and, and what's it been like? Um, I think the, you know, I always say, for me, I wanted to stay around basketball and help young people um, because of uh, the experience I've had it with my coaches, um, trainers, AAU coaches, um, been all, you know, been, for the most part, really good relationships and people I still communicate with, people I still, you know, look up to and, and kind of want to keep those relationships going. And then I want to pay it forward and to the next generation of kids. Uh, you know, I'm a relationship person. I like, uh, you know, being around young people and, and kind of helping them achieve their goals. Um, you know, I think, you know, just being 31, I'm still kind of youthful to where yeah. I can kind of connect to them and in certain ways. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at it. You know, this past four years or so, you know, it's been not really, first couple of years was not really a coach-player relationship. They saw me as kind of a, you know, big brother type guy. I'm kind of trying to change that role um, and fit into it as a, as a authority figure, so to speak. But, um, you know, I still love, you know, learning from those guys, teaching them, um, and connecting with those guys because I, I definitely see myself in those guys and you know I want them to not make the same mistakes I, I made or have any regrets that you know I wish I could kind of take back so um, you know the hours are different um, you know commitment is different but you know I love I love the game I love being you know around our staff I think that's you know what's made coaching a lot easier is the is the staffs I've been blessed to be on, you know, at New Haven and, and now back with my old college coach and some guys I play with. Um, you know, it's not really a job. We get to we get to talk basketball, we get to talk about, you know, different kids we think could fit in our program and help us. Um, and we learn in every day, um, which I think is the is the biggest part. So what is it so this weekend you're going back out on the road, right? Yes sir. AU. What are your thoughts on the AAU now? What are you seeing that uh, that concerns you, and what are you seeing that uh, gives you hope? Oh man, the AAU market, man, um, it's changed a ton since you know I was mm-hmm. I was a kid. But um, you know, kids are getting a lot of exposure. Did you say kids? Oh my bad. Yeah, thirty thirty one. kids playing today, man. They're getting a ton of exposure. Um, there, there are some high-level games I've seen um, in my young career um, where I'm like, yo, these kids are super skilled. Athleticism is off the charts. Um, you know, they're, they're still raw. They need to learn and, and get better. Um, but the skill level is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, the way it's organized, I think it's, you know, we didn't have EYBL and Adidas mm-hmm. gold and rise and all this stuff to where we had the exposure. I think it's it's giving kids a, a better opportunity to be seen, whether it's Twitter, YouTube, Huddle. They they got so many different platforms and opportunities to, to kind of be seen, um, which I think is great. Wait, the thing so, that's a challenge, okay, too, is the yeah, social media. About to say. Okay. Social media. <laughs> so it's with a lot of exposure and content, you know, the negative, too, could be a lot of exposure and content. You know, some – some guys, you know, it's it's all about the social media now, mm-hmm. which is it's kind of taking some of the essence away from the from the game. Um, this is a very political answer. I, I mean, we need you to really get it. <laughs> I mean, we, we 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 had a whole episode where we kind of talked about the. Um, I mean, we we talked about some of the good, but there's a lot of stuff that we were not a big fan of with the way. And it's for me. So me and Bobby are different. So. I'm seven years older than you. Bobby's older. So we're all different generations. And AAU mm-hmm. has, like, evolved and evolved and evolved and changed. Mm-hmm. When, when I was, and even more so when Bobby, like, a- AAU, now it's not even called, it's, like, grassroots. and But, right. like, it's all, a- we call it AAU. Yeah. When it was, when I was in high school and before that when Bobby was in high school, that it was, like, only the best of the best played it. And now it's, like, they're, they're yeah. just, you go to these tournaments and there's, like, a billion teams. Anybody and, can play. Uh, yeah. You know, 
and there's a lot of stuff that we we've you know not been huge fans of but what do you look for and what advice do you give to kids that are playing like as a, as a college coach that's out there like what are you looking for when you're out there recruiting um i'm looking for i'm looking for guys that are coachable guys that play hard play the right way um you know if you're just going one-on-one in your possessions just taking ill-advised shots and that's kind of showing me that you don't really know how to play and, and play with others is, is, you know, key. Guys who give multiple efforts, um, you know, it's not all about them. You know, they, they show some humility. Um, you know, they can they know how to communicate and, and talk with their teammates and coaches. Um, you know, those those are the guys you look for first, the character guys um, that can come in and you know that the locker room is going to be going to be intact still. Um, and then, you know, obviously everybody's looking for talent, um, but even with talent, there comes those obstacles as well, whether it's parents, the kid himself. Yep. Um, so you want to look for those red flags, but you also want to look for, you know, the, those subtle things, those little things that may go uh, unnoticed that, that a kid can bring. Okay, so when you go back in the day, back in the day, when you went to the club, <laughs> okay, you, you were looking at how, how she carried herself? Or were you looking? You, were you looking at? <laughs> well, yeah. Were you looking at? Okay, wow. You know that, that's talent. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So it's talent first. I've never talent. never been to a club and ogled anyone in my life. In my life, if my wife is watching. That's what I said. Back in the day, way, way, way back. Nah, in the day. Nah. Wait, wait. I mean, like like Coach Hotel used to say, talent is the most attractive thing. So you're gonna see that off the rip. You're mm-hmm. gonna see who's the best person in the gym, and then you have to get into those character. Right. Um, those character issues or, or what they are like, like. I think that's what it, I was saying when, when Coach Jones was on, I think it was, that, that yeah, you need a certain level of talent mm-hmm. to be able to play in that's college right. anywhere, whether yeah, it's right. D3, sure. D2, let alone D1. But talent alone will get someone to notice you, but talent alone is not enough, especially right. like the, the level of talent you need, number one, just cuts out 99% of high school players. Yep. But then even that one percent, it's only like one percent of that one percent that's like you know Division One, because you can't, especially that the, there's so many guys competing for so few roster spots mm-hmm. that exactly. it's you can't just go out there and be like talent and just be an a hole and you know right. Nah, I mean it's, it's got to be person. that. It's got to be the academics. It's got to be you know are they off the court issues mm-hmm. or you know what are their behavior issues. It's, it's a lot of things that go into it. So even before you get to talk about bringing a kid up, it's, for us, academics. Is he going to take care of business in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Um, do we have to worry about him there? And, and it's, it's tougher to get into Northeastern. Of course. Most schools. Yes, of right? course. It's a lot tougher than it was when, yeah, when, me I, when too. I got in there. <laughs> me too. Back in, back in 2002. <laughs> me too. For uh, sure. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned when you were talking about red flags, one you kind of offhand said parents, and, and we talked about the, Joe Jones said something, Coach Jones. I should say, you know, I mean, I'm not on that Joe level right now. But, um, he said something, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was the extent of the conversation was basically, a, there's nothing a parent can say that's going to convince me to take their kid if I don't already want them. Like, a parent's not going to be able mm-hmm. to convince me to right. offer a scholarship, but a parent can convince me to not offer him a scholarship based on what that what that parent is doing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's an accurate assessment? No, that's that's well said for sure. Um, you know, parents, they love their kids. They're going to try to get them opportunities, of course. Um, you know, they'll send film. They'll write emails. Yeah. My kid is so-and-so. Check and there's nothing out. wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that That's great if you if you send film all that. But, like, there's, there's a next level of, you know, right. how you're kind of carrying yourself at the games, what your – telling your kid like what sort of a message is a parent sending to their kid like if mm-hmm. you're a parent that's telling your kid to kind of play the game in a way that's not conducive to team that's not conducive to listening to a coach yeah that's yeah. probably not a- gonna parent, help your yeah kid. a parent can definitely ruin it for their kid for sure they can definitely ruin it so how many how many um YouTubes and uh, I'm sorry, not YouTube, but uh, let's say TikToks and uh Instagram <laughs> how, how many of those do you put it put in the trash Right. Uh, delete, delete, delete. Yeah, man. Um, Or do you enjoy them? I mean, I I don't know. Nah, you know, kids are, you know, it's a different time. I'm trying to be, you know, our staff tries to be progressive and understanding and and patient, you know, with with the times as as it's changing. Um, You know, we we give, you know, every kid an opportunity to kind of prove us 
you know, wrong. Prove you, prove it, you wrong yeah, right? yeah, you gotta you gotta prove us wrong first. So we're gonna give mm-hmm. you opportunity until you do that. Um, you know, it's when you know kids are. You know, kids are funny because they, they'll mass email, hey, I love your school, whatever. And that's that's all cool. That's where I want to go. The, it's the, you know, when they... They not, need to learn what BCC is, you know? <laughs> Change nah. the email and a that, little bit. Not, yeah, like, we, co- not like, hey, Coach Smith, you know, I really love Boston College. I want to be an Eagle. Like, right, you know, right. at least change it to North It was usually like, hey, Coach, love <laughs> yeah. your program. Yeah. Which is which is cool. I get it. I get it. You got, you're trying to find yeah. you're trying to find something, right? And, and, you know, especially in today's world, kids were, you know, panicking a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit. They weren't able to be seen, you know, Rosters were retaining everybody. Scholarships weren't there. You know, I feel really bad for kids, and they were reaching out, and, you know, kind of in panic mode because you know they they kind of planned to to get a scholarship or go play at the next level, and those were just kind of taken from them. Um, you know, but as far as the the TikToks and stuff go, like when when it's fun and kids being outgoing and all that stuff, you know, we we like that type of stuff, but when it's like profanity in yep. the, the music in the background and it's like come on man um, you know and, and I know Coach Cohen listens or watches highlights with the with the music off but I be trying <laughs> I be trying to steal some music I be like right, you know this young I'm trying to steal some swag uh, you know you start hitting the cuss words I'm like oh man come yeah. on yeah but yeah so you guys have now, so you got Chris Doherty's from, from Marlboro. He's from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You had, before that, Anthony Green was a Massachusetts kid yeah. and, and uh, Miller. Miller. Yeah. Before that, Marco Benegas Flores. Yeah. Boston. But and not a ton of Massachusetts guys at Northeastern. You know, do yeah. you guys do you guys recruit the state or is it kind of, uh, you know, I know you need to kind of people you don't want to, but like, how does it come when, you, when you're recruiting? Because there is not a lot of local kids that wind up at Northeastern. Yeah, I mean... And there's some talent in Massachusetts. For I mean, sure. it's not New York, but it's it's you know there's there's some talent around here. Nah, for sure. I mean, there we do recruit Massachusetts. You know, um, the prep schools we recruit heavy and have good relationships with those coaches. Um, but you know, just like just like us recruiting there, yeah. BCs, BU, Harvard, and you know, uh, UMass. So um, you, you know, we're in competition as well. Um, but we've done such a great job recruiting all over. Um, to where we don't let, you know, that just hold us to mm-hmm. here. Like, we'll, we'll recruit Massachusetts for sure, but um, we're going to see what's out there in all places. We've done well with kids from all over, to mm-hmm. California, Florida, Minnesota, Michigan, Texas. We've, we've done well all over. The, the Massachusetts kids we've got, you know, we've done great with those guys too. Um, so we don't limit ourselves to Massachusetts. We definitely recruit in-house. Um, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah, you know, in in fairness, I remember when when I was at Northeastern, um, you know, going on recruiting trips. You know, Bill has done such a great job away from Boston that, I mean, you're you're looking for the right fit, right? Mm-hmm. The right fit of of kid, and it's not that you know, Sam, like you mm-hmm. said, it's, not, it's there's plenty of talent here, but you still you still only have so many scholarships. Yeah. And one of the impediments is when we talk about AAU, you know, you're, you're competing with, uh, you know, you're, you're talking to, 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 to AAU coaches who, you know, with, with sneaker teams, right? And you want those kids. You think those kids would be a great fit. But they're looking at levels higher than Northeastern, yep. right? Because they believe that they should be at a higher level. Now, whether they should or not is another question. Mm-hmm. But that's what they look at. They don't look at best fit. They look at brightest star. If, if, if that makes sense, yeah. right? And some of the coaches, I've, I've found out, they don't even want to deal with Northeastern because one thing about one thing I learned about Bill was he's going to be as straight up with you as possible, right? So when he does that, it turns a lot of coaches off. Why? Because, I mean, I mean we can say it now, there are a lot of bags out there. You know, coaches, mm-hmm. they, 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 you know, if you want this kid, you're going to have to come with this, you're going to have to come with that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or it's a package deal. And Bill was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. And I respected that about him. And, it, and and unfortunately, that's a huge part of the game right now. It is. It is. So Joel couldn't say it, but I could say it. So <laughs> you're on staff with several players that you play. Well, st- players. So, coaches. Several coaches yeah. that were your teammates when you guys were players. You've got uh, Manny. You have Brian. What, what's it like being back still at Northeastern 
but now you guys are all coaches. Oh man, it's it's a dream come true. I know Coach smiles all the time that you know we're we kind of get it. We've we've all been through it. We've all played for him. Um, you know, we've all gone to school there, graduated from there, come from different places to Boston. Um, you know, we've we've been blessed to stay around, and and I know he feels blessed to have us come back um, and, and kind of learn under him and, and kind of uh, help take over uh, or take the program to the next. A uh, couple levels. How's um, Coach Murphy? <laughs> Murph, Murph, man, you know Murph, man. He's not changing. Uh, he ain't changing nothing now. But you know, he's he's that uh, charismatic connector. He's mm-hmm. he's the he's the guy. All the every kid, you know, from back when I was playing, we all go in his office. We all walk away with with some token of knowledge out of his office, and, and we know he's gonna shoot us straight. He's gonna make us laugh. He's gonna make us feel good. Um, but yeah, he's he's awesome, man. Still still kicking. Do you guys ever the you you know Brian Manny ever still hoop at all? Like do you, do you still oh, yeah. do you still get out there and and yeah. who's kept himself in the in the best game shape out of out of that? that uh, group? I would say B Max always had the conditioning down yeah. pack. He's he's he can run for days. I would say Manny Manny he he get he's on top of it. He he'll get on the. Um, on the ellipticals, he'll get on the treadmill, and he's just a bucket. You know, he played. He had a, a good career overseas, and he still got it, man. He, he's got the touch. He's he still got game. I I think I probably let myself slip. I'm probably still in the best game shape, just being the youngest. Yeah. But but uh, now nah, we we do get out there, and we you know before guys went home, um, right after our season, we started to do four on four live yeah. games, mm-hmm. and we had Bo. Um, who was our grad assistant yeah. last year? Played for Cohen as well, so we we'd be the you know four guys, yeah. four and four guys, you know, going over different offensive reads right. and really taking it to our guys or or trying to. Um, but yeah, we we definitely get out there, man. We try to play with our guys um, when, when we can. Um, you know, we men's leagues, we're, we're trying to find them and, and stay active. Can't let our guys just get that much ahead of us. Um, but yeah, we, we we try to be active as possible. You know, Brian McDonald never, you know, he never played much. Brian's my guy, but uh, you know, he never played a lot. He was a walk-on from Connecticut, but he was a layup line superstar. <laughs> Talk, about yeah, <laughs> Talk about bounce! Talk about bounce! Our guys, our guys didn't know that he actually yeah. two-hand dunked it. Um, was it at the end? Maybe at the end of something, he just yeah. went up and two-hand dunked it. Our guys were in the gym. They're like. Did he, Coach McDonald just go up and flush that? <laughs> he used to. I was like, yeah. Layup line superstar. I was like, like don't know. sleep, don't sleep, man. <laughs> he, he's bouncy. Um, yeah. What's it like, Coach? Because when you played, I mean, we were getting into that, like where graduate. If you graduated at four, you could be eligible right away. But it still wasn't the way right. the portal has become um, since COVID and with the like, okay, you your first time you can be eligible immediately. Your second time, you can petition. You can petition <laughs> we, the NCAA. Yeah, we and don't. You might be eligible immediately too. Like we don't know either. <laughs> how, how hard is it? Um, because they always talked at the mid major level about like uh, you have to re recruit your your guys every year because there are bigger teams looking to poach. But now, like you really, it's almost like you get a kid who is too good too soon at your level, and you know, man, like we're mm. not gonna be able yeah, to keep the him kid for that four went to years. State? Uh, what was his name? Tyson. Tyson, right. Like, how hard is it, and, in, 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 like, how much are you guys re-recruiting your players every every se- every offseason? Um, I mean, luckily, I think Coach Cohen does a, a really good job in, in trying to be in the guys' lives he brings in. Um, you know, we're more conscious of, okay, he is good, he may not. We, we still have to do our job and, and be prepared just in case somebody leaves. Um, but I mean, we we love all our guys. Uh, we try to do our best. That's what we say. We're gonna do the best while we have them. Um, we can't control and or foresee what's gonna happen. But we're gonna, you know, we're gonna push them. We're gonna develop them. We're gonna be, you know, what they need um, while they're here with us. And we we hope to, you know, retain everybody. And and we hope they they feel, you know, loved and developed and like we care about them. Um, but those things, you know, it, it is what it is. You know. Duke comes calling. I'm I'm a student. I'm probably gonna leave too. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it, it's a funny thing, man. It's a, it's 
it's, it's something that you know we all got to deal with, but you know it's we haven't really truly figured it out, you know yet. You just try to do the best you can do while you got them. So, college sports in general feels like it's on the the verge of of something. You've got schools switching here, there. There's talks about there being a split between like the BCS schools and everyone mm-hmm. else, and almost becoming like a true minor league for the bigger schools and what that would do to to you know mid-major and low-major you guys are solid mid-major but um hoops if you're not in one of those five or six big-time conferences and you still play in the same or expanding the ncaa tournament the caa just brought in a bunch of schools moved to 14 mm-hmm. 13 or 13 yeah, sorry we'll, we'll. There's, there's strong rumors that there will be a 14th at some point in mm-hmm. the in the near future or a year from now if not sooner and you know just what is it you know, are there? Is it something that coaches are, are aware of that you athletic departments talk about that, or are you guys just so focused on the players and it's like whatever happens, we'll deal with it when it comes? Or do you guys talk a little bit about like you know what you know, speculate on what's gonna what's gonna happen with? Yeah, I mean, we uh, we definitely see the movement and and around the around NCAA, we we definitely bring it up. Um, you know, I think. We're at the point right now where we're focused on not having a repeat of last season and, mm-hmm. and trying to love our guys and you know do the best job we can um, in this moment. Um, but it's something we visit and we haven't you know delved deep into it, but it's uh, definitely something we're aware of. Um, yeah, I would say I would say we're more focused now on having a great season and, and trying to do the best job we can with the with this opportunity. So how do you? If you, so now you're focused on not having the same type of season. How do you demand growth from the guys? Because you're going to have to at some point, right? Of course, of course. And we have a we have a pretty young group coming in this year. We have we brought in six freshmen. Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of went away from the portal. Um, you know, obviously everybody's in the portal. Um, you know, there's the issues with with that as well, right? Um, but we felt we felt like especially this year we could get some some of those high school kids who probably would be, you know, at a higher level, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of get them with us, you know, love on them, teach them, develop them, and and just have those guys. You know, those guys are hungry. Those guys are really hungry and, and competitive, um, and we surrounded with some returners who, who um, you know, have have had success and and you know experience in the league. And, and then we're just going to, you know, we're going to be hungry, ferocious, and, and we're going to play Northeast basketball. Kind of circling back around, we talked about your your senior year and you guys and, and not to return to un, like a disappointing, heartbreaking. Um, but I've heard the debate a lot between because it, it with mid-major in a one-bid conference, which is what the CAA is right now, mm-hmm. I know there are hopes that it gets back to where it was in like 2004, 2005 when there were multi-bids. Um, but right now it's a one-bid, and in lots of one-bid conferences, there's the constant debate of should there be a conference tournament or should it just be the number one, the team that wins the regular season gets the bid because, um, you know, oftentimes while, while the best team more often than not, they're maybe the most likely to win it. A lot of it with those teams when you're so close and you've played each other twice and it's a third time around mm-hmm. and anything can happen and it comes down to not necessarily who's the actual best team but who is the hottest team right Matchups, at the end of the yeah. season. You know, and, and, and a wonderful season where over the course of 30 games you were the best team goes out the window when you're playing three games. And the CAA is three games in three days. Yeah. It's not even like, yeah. say, the America East where you've got two, you've got a week off, and then you've got the championship game to prep. It's like you're playing, mm-hmm. you know, three games back to back to back if you don't get some sort of a double bye, depending yeah. on the setup. W- what camp do you fall in? Do you do you like having it all come down to a conference tournament, or would you prefer that it was some sort of, a, you know, you win the regular season and that's that's the way the Ivy League used to be? Right. Um, I mean – I wasn't a fan of the tournament in 2013 when we didn't go. <laughs> um, I, I see both sides of the coin. Um, you know, it's like the NBA, and I'll have to play in. I feel like 82 games is enough to establish yourself yeah. as, a, as a playoff mm-hmm. team. Um, but, you know, those tournaments do draw crowds and excitement, and, you know, you got to be on top of your game at, at those moments. Um, 
So I, I think the tournament, conference tournament, is always you know super competitive. You got it's another season essentially. So if you didn't have a great regular season, you got another opportunity um, over the weekend. You just got to be playing your best ball, um, playing together, and and you know scratching claw for a few days. Um, so I, I'm on both sides of the court. I see both sides. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel like if you know the tournament wouldn't mean as much if the regular season already yeah. won the bid, right? Like they like what we I think for. one of the things people also don't realize is if it only came down to like in the Ivy League when it was just whoever wins, like if you you it might be different. You play a team at the start of the Ivy League play, and when everybody's got a chance and they give you their best game versus you face that team at the end of the year and they're already eliminated they're mm-hmm. not necessarily so it's not yeah. it's still not even or fair because of when you play in yeah. your schedule certain teams I think there's something also to be said about the experience as a player um, when you're in these conferences where only one team goes to the NCAAs that it's for some a lot of these teams this is the closest those kids will get to experience the NCAA tournament because some of these you know, you'll have a school that they, they go to three straight because they're just stacked yeah. for, for mm-hmm. a specific. And then it's like literally eight, nine other teams don't have a chance yeah, for, yeah. for a couple of years. So it is kind of the, the closest a lot of players will get to yeah. that that March Madness experience. Yeah, I mean, that, that conference tournament is a beast, man. It's, you know, a couple of days, the best team is clicking. It's, it's, it's going. And, you know, you could have won every game in conference play <laughs> and then get there and – have a bad weekend and you know it's all over. Um, I, I always felt that was a little extreme. Like you, yeah. you go near perfect in conference and then lose the tournament. Yeah, that that kind of you know that's that's tough to kind of swallow that you you don't get the mm-hmm. bid. Um, but you know it, the competition, man. It, you can't deny it. It's, it's at a high level um, that weekend. Would you uh, would you explain to any of the young kids or parents out here? about the uh, the cost of being a, a collegiate athlete, just, you know, as far as itinerary is concerned, the hours you're spending, how your your, 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 your total schedule is just going to change. Oh, yeah, man. It's it's definitely a commitment. Um, you know, I, str- I kind of struggled with, um, you know, friends or, you know, girlfriends, you know, in college that were like, Oh yeah, I have it so easy. You know, you full. You going to school for free. You, you get to play. I'm like, yeah, that's true. You don't see the you know the work behind the scenes though. So, um, you know, you have you have lifts. You have mm-hmm. you know practice. You have what you know treatments. You have study hall hours. You have you know class on top of that, um, and that's not including you know the work you have to do outside of that to become a better player. Uh, if, if that's what you want to do, um, so it's it's definitely a full commitment. Your, your time is pretty much gone. Time is pretty much gone, which you know that's what you sign up for. You, you get a free education, a free opportunity to kind of play the game you love, but you're gonna you're definitely gonna be dedicated to it um, with some structure and some and some um, you know coaches planning your days out for you. Mm-hmm. You know it's gonna be weekends where you know everybody's going to a party where. Uh, we traveling. We got we got games to play. We got practices to do. Right. Um, you know, and and it, it's there's sides to both of them. You know, you get everything paid for, but you're paying with the time. You're paying it back with the time. Whereas, you know, normal students that just go, yeah. like, you know, so. they're probably struggling. They're taking loans out if they didn't get a scholarship and mm-hmm. working side jobs and this and that. But their weekends, you know, some they're getting yeah. their weekends and sleeping in and everything else. Um, so it's it's definitely two sides to both coin, but you know, as a collegiate athlete, yeah, your time it's not much space for free time. It's a full time job. It's a, it's a job. It's a job. You're going to work, you know. And some of these schools are giving upwards of sixty plus thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not just letting you, <laughs> you know, we're not just letting you do what you want. Like, you're going to academic. You have academic responsibilities. You have. Basketball responsibilities, weight room responsibilities—you gotta. And it's a one-year renewal. You know, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. it's not like you can go and goof off. You like, you know, it really needs to be a job to be able right. to keep getting the scholarship yeah, back right. each year. There's no um, guarantee that that just because you have it your first year that they're gonna you know keep you around. So it, it's a stressful job at times too. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, how you know I know Northeastern is it's not in a. Pro t- I mean, it's not in a college town as far as, like, sports. It's in a 
pro town other than hockey. Um, you know, not like tons of, you know, bright lights and all that. But how has the NIL affected you guys as, as a mid-major that's, you know, not like, you know, center stage anywhere, but has it has it affected you guys at all? <sighs> I would I would say no. It's still so fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I yes and no. I'm sure that it does affect us at you know a certain level with certain kids that yeah. maybe we want to seek out that you know um, certain packages are probably better at other yeah. places. Um, but the type of kids we go after, um, you know, and fit us, um, I think we we typically get the kids we want. Um, you know, we and we do well with those kids because they understand um, the opportunity that that coach is offering here at Northeastern. You're getting a world class education. You're gonna get coaches who care, who uh, want to develop you, um, and it's gonna work. You know, you're not gonna outwork the coaches. We're gonna work relentlessly to to make you better, to get you to where you want to be, and you know, you want a coach that wants a relationship with you too. So there's one thing I always thought um, I thought about it at Northeastern that. I know you can't answer the question, okay? But I think it's funny. So they have this great co-op program, Mm -hmm. right? One of the best in the world, okay? But if you come to Northeastern and you want to major in, I don't know, medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And play basketball, you're going to have to choose between the two. You can't do both. What if that means that you have, you know, you've got a... Um, hours, you know, you've got to spend some hours in the uh, in, in the lab, right? Yeah. Or just, just you know, for what, mm-hmm. whatever word I'm, I'm trying to think of, but you can't do it. So then you can't have that major. So you've really got to decide as a young, you know, what am I willing to do? What I'm, you know, what am I willing to give up, or not willing to do? You know, th- that's tough because what Northeastern offers is a great education. Mm-hmm. You can't go in there, you know, with 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 the wrong perception. Joel mentioned perception earlier, so you know it, that's probably one of the hangups. Also, you know, it's how do you take advantage of that that uh, beautiful co-op? Yeah, um, you know, just to answer that, I think there's some majors that are extremely like, like Coach always says, you're trying to, you know, for a normal kid that's going to school at at Northeastern, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. trying to achieve a great education. As a student athlete, you're trying to do two hard things at once. Mm-hmm. Get a really good education yeah. and play basketball at a high level. Um, you know, we've had guys in the past, you know, dating back to when I was there, you know, were engin- engineer majors, mm-hmm. and, and they quickly learned that, you know, that's a different type of commitment on top of basketball. So right. it's doable. Some guys do it. Some guys get through it. You know, mechanical engineering. It's yeah. just, it just takes, takes a special type of person because you – you basically right. have no outside life outside of basketball in that if you, you know, those type of majors. Was BMAC um, engineering? He was business. Business, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. okay. so he's finance, and then he's got his, he's got his MBA. But even, even you know, the, the business degree is, is strenuous, mm-hmm. and, and you got to dedicate, you know, time to that as well. And we've had guys, you know, over the summer do, um, you know, a, a smaller portion of, of co-op. So That's those great. are co-op opportunities, but – um, our guys typically try to take advantage of that in the summer, um, instead of you know taking six months off to to go do it. What are your What are your goals? You know, because I know you said that you wanted to be when you were done playing. You wanted to do something that allowed you to still have an impact on on kind of the next generation. Coaching was was a a, a logical kind of transition. You know, but what are your goals for your career, you know, now? You know, how long? Is there are guys that they give it a shot for a while and they're like, it's hard for me to move up, you know, yeah. in the ranks and they go do something else. You know, what, what are your what are your career goals here on out? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the end goal is to become a head coach one day. Um, you know, I think there's a ton of growth area for me. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine a better coach to – kind of get that learning from than Coach Cohen right now. So, um, you know, I'm just a sponge trying to soak up as much knowledge as I, as I can from him to achieve that goal. Um, and then, you know, I'm not sure if I want to be in it as long as Coach Cohen has been in it as far as uh, mm-hmm. spearheading a, a program. Um, but, if, you know, I, I, I would definitely, um, you know, highly consider moving back closer to home around family and, and things of that nature, maybe being a high school coach or, 
you know, D3 at, at, at some point. Um, but the goal right now is head coach. Um, you know, I, I have high aspirations, got to shoot for the stars, and, you know, I, I, I love this game. I don't know where exactly where it's heading, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'm, I'm in it to make connections and, and be in it as long as I can, um, you know, because I think I got a lot to offer the game and, and some of these young guys um, looking for opportunities. Well, Coach, thank you so much for for joining us today or tonight. We're working the night shift for the first time on the podcast. We really appreciate it. It was uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, selfishly, I'm hoping that Northeastern, uh, you know, can can really make some noise this year. The the alma mater will be will be nice. Um, but just we we really can't thank you enough for uh, for joining us. No man, thanks for the invite, man. This was awesome. Uh, appreciate you guys' time and, and the invite. Appreciate you coming in, man. Okay.